0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and in today's episode, we are joined by Mr. Harriet Spate. Now, if you're someone who's seen the movie Boiler Room, you've seen the movie Glen Gary, Glen Ross, and you always wonder what it's been like to work in those sorts of uh, environments from a sales perspective, you're going to get a few little insights on that from Mr. Harry today. We dive into all of that sales, sales approach what you need to be doing differently now that, uh, you know, obviously the last couple of years have been pretty hectic for businesses and how you should approach that differently from a sales perspective. And of course, if we can ever help you from a marketing perspective, just head over to our group, www.joinmygroup.com.au. We do free trainings for you every week on marketing, all that fun stuff and more, of course. But until then, let's jump into the show. Harry, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time.
1: Hey, it's awesome to be here, Kim. Coming from the U.S. and speaking to the Aussie guy. This is really cool. I know. It's great. to have, I always like my, uh, you know, what is it? The
0: transatlantic, I don't know, whatever it is. The international calls. <laughs> always good fun. Uh, I'm
1: not sure how they run the cables all the way underwater and stuff Uh, always fascinated me but we don't have to get into that
0: (laughs) yeah not today Not another time maybe but uh, exactly harry i I do like to always start the podcast of the same way every time which is if i met you at a party and we were chatting away and i said to you harry what is it that you actually do what's your go-to answer
1: um, do I have a few drinks in me at this point or at is least, this one at least,
0: at least two drinks at least two? Drinks.
1: <laughs> okay. So I'm pretty comfortable with you at that point then. So what it is I do is I try to bring light to the world of sales that selling does not have to be a dirty, ugly, slimy thing that people can do it with honor and feel good about it. So that's it in a nutshell.
0: So I have to ask then it's like, were you sold to by a dirty, slimy, sleazy salesperson? Like, I've got to fix this. Or like, yeah, how did you? Because uh, I always find it interesting. With I get to being that we're in marketing, we speak to a lot of you know uh, sales uh, teachers, coaches, mentors, and whatnot. Just as a byproduct of what we do, and it's always mm-hmm. kind of interesting to hear about how they how they got them pushed into sales. Because most most of the time, people want to do better, right? They want to kind of change how sales are perceived. So I'd love to know.
1: Yeah. So I came into sales from a mission background. So I was uh, in missionary work for a number of years. And when I got into sales, I was uh, indoctrinated quickly into a corporate sales bullpen. So if you're familiar with movies like uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross or The Boiler Room, any of those, that's where I was. So a few months earlier, I was a missionary riding around in motorcycle, completely free to do what I want in a day and then plunked into this room side by side with a bunch of other guys who are 10 years younger than me i was not one that swore much i mean virtually not at all right coming from the mission background there's tons of f-bombs being dropped and you know i just like wow this is uh, not what i anticipated but i figured it out and stuck through it and uh kind of changed the game as the way i was going to approach sales mm. what do you think about that yeah, I, I, uh, that's a that's, standard I, I like answer, it. right?
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's like everyone. It's like you have to like, you have to be able to see, as you say, bring your light to it. You kind of obviously have to see the darkness of sales and like what the, <laughs> what that's like to be able to try and bring the light in. I suppose because I know for me when I watch those like watch those movies you mentioned and you see it and you're like wow, like it's and I think that is welcome kind of position sales people in a bad in a bad way, obviously. Um, yeah. But it's uh, it's it's rough because that's how people. That's the only way they thought that you could do sales at the time, I suppose.
1: Right. So the uh, Glenn Gary, Glen Ross, Alan Alec Baldwin line always be closing. ABC always be closing, and so people, you know, just stomp all over. And that's you know so focused in their mind that they have to be closing. They forget all about like being a human and treating others with some kind of respect. You know, so anyway, that's just, uh, unfortunately, that impacts all of us, even you, right? When you have to sell, uh, people view you probably in a way, I mean, you're great, but because of the impact of others on them, then, you know, they they might look at you more like the other type of salespeople because that's what their experience has been. Is that true?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, 100%. And it's yeah. uh, I mean, look. The only thing I did take away as a positive from that movie is my ability when salespeople tell me the leads are weak because I do marketing. I'm just like, <laughs> the leads <aren't> weak. Uh, <laughs>
1: that's the only. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I that, love I it. That. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. idea. that is a great takeaway. These yeah. leads are weak. <laughs> Jack Lemon, spineless Jack Lemon stealing leads. You know, so it's great. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's one of my favorites for sure.
0: But so what so. <laughs> So you're in the baller room, you're seeing like the intensity of this and you realize there's got to be something different. Like what what happened next for you? Where did you go from there?
1: Yeah. So uh, it was writing a bunch of zeros. I mean, I don't know how you write zeros, but that was what they were writing next to my name every month. So this is a pretty depressing scenario, right? If so, we left the mission work. My wife and I, I was going to start providing for our new family. I was failing miserably. In sales and this culture and so if you're familiar if you're familiar with the book um greatest salesman in the world by aug mandino yeah that book yeah okay so he talks about sales in a way where it's coming from love right i will greet each day with love in my heart so here i was naive harry going into work it's like i'm gonna love people sales is all about love and it's like what the F are you selling this month? it it wasn't quite that bad, but it was, you know, it was intense, right? And I watched grown men cry is what, you know, that type of intensity because it's just, that's just the way it was. I'm not saying it was wrong. It just wasn't my style. So after I failed for a bunch of months, um, I was just thinking. Look, I gotta make this work. I mean, my wife is working; she's pregnant. I'm not making any money. This has got to work somehow. And I just went back in my mind to look. I know how to serve people. I am not good in sales. I uh, I didn't have any business acumen. I was, you know, 35 years old, and I came out of the mission field, so I had zero business acumen. I was selling printers. Uh, that were that ran around $50,000. So I, I didn't even know what people used them for. And I'm calling on companies. It's just like, well, you know, this is like the twilight zone. So I said, you know, I'm just going to serve people and see where that takes me. And I, I committed to that. And I said, no, I'm just going to keep doing that. And so long story short, my first order, the person who was buying from me after we did this trial, test run, and all this... Their closing line to me was, Harry, what do we need to do to keep this thing? <laughs> so I was the anti-closer. I, I let people close me. And, you know, it's like when people say, well, what's your favorite close? It's like, I think it is when people ask me for the order. <laughs> Not when I ask them for the order. <laughs> How can I give you money today, Harry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, exactly. <laughs> Checks, money orders, cash app. I pay Apple pay, you got it. All good. <laughs> yeah, talk about uh, a person completely lost and out of place. That was me, but it it all worked out. And so once obviously you st- so you started making
0: sales using your own kind of approach, I suppose. Um, yeah, like
1: what well, it was done before, but you know, it was new to me. i new to the arena I was in.
0: And so how did you then, like what was the the steps from there? Because obviously once you started obviously seeing success with it, uh, and being able to be, build in, a, I suppose, a bit of repetition. Like, how did you then try and uh, ad- adopt that and kind of grow that even more?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, this is really great. Um, so I was... I, I have, there's a term for this, but it's unconscious, conscious, something like that. I don't know exactly how that's... Uh, years ago, we talked about that. I didn't know what I was doing. Let, I'll be completely honest. I just was applying... A service mindset. So, in my mind, introducing a product that was brand new to the market—I um, mean, who is? No one's buying fifty thousand-dollar color printers because you know that's not what people just say. You know what? I need a fifty thousand. I I need a color printer. I think my budget's fifty grand. This is in the day when color printers were—they're expensive, but they're around a thousand or two thousand dollars back in the mid to late nineties. Not fifty. So I had to introduce the technology to people, but I did it in a way that I wanted to uncover what their problems were. So by uncovering their problems, I could talk about, hey, there's a better, there's better technology out there. And it was a very slow process. It's a slow sale. I mean, because you're introducing it. And again, no one had budget for that. But the phone started to ring You know, six to eighteen months after I had these conversations, people I'd bring their colors, print samples. But what I was doing was providing value. I was educating my market, so to speak, and I'm using the quotations because I wasn't educating the entire market, but I was educating. And I just stumbled across that. I mean, if you listen to uh, Gary V Big in uh, Australia, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty big. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if you listen to Gary Vee today, he talks about providing value, just keep providing value and results will come. Well, I, there was no Gary, I mean, he was still a kid back then, right? But what I was doing was laying this foundation and seeding you know, the marketplace, so to speak, by providing this value unbeknownst to me that that's what I was doing. I just, it came naturally. But now looking back at that, I can say, well, that's what I did. And, you know, and I encourage my team as when I got into sales leadership to do the same thing. Just keep, you know, just keep educating, right? Let people know that there's a better way that they don't have to do the same old, same old because someone told them that, right? And just provide the value through education. What's your thought
0: on that? Look, I I love that and wholeheartedly agree um and but i know the question that will come into some people's mind when they listen to this especially those business owners who are maybe a little bit newer or newer to sales at least for their own business is going to be well how much how much education and value is too much like is there a point where it's like well i've given away all my goodness that i would charge people for like how do you balance that in the sales process
1: yeah i get that that's a concern but if it's knowledge i mean take it from a person who is done sales leadership for 20 years, right? I could tell sales reps what to do, when to do it, how often to do it, what to say. They didn't remember 10 minutes after the conversation, right? Because then they would go after out of the conference room role play. They go on the phone. It's like, did we just have this conversation, (laughs) right? So people don't remember. So if you're worried that people are going to remember everything and they're going to know all your secrets, I mean, come on. People have other things on their mind and whatever the uh, percentage of people, what they hear from us and what they remember, it's within a couple of hours, it drops down dramatically. Next day, it's almost zero. And then, you know, a week or two later, it's gone. Right. So don't worry about that. I mean, if if you have inside secrets or something that's new to the market, I'm not saying to give that out but provide the value so that people can make educated decisions, right? So like an example, and tell me if I'm talking too much because I'm all wired up here, Uh, (laughs) but like uh, realtors, I can't tell you how boring realtors, insurance agents and financial planners are. If you ever talk to any of these people, they will say, I'm a financial planner or I'm a realtor or I sell insurance. Okay, well you've done nothing for me personally. So what can you do? And just telling me what you do brings no real attraction. I'm not attracted just because you say what you do. Start educating, start providing value. You know, share some insight. What, it, how you buy homes today, right? How do you get ahead of the market? What do you look for? What about resales versus new? There's all kinds of things that people can talk about and educate their clients and prospects, but they don't. They just say things like, "Do you ever need a financial planner?" Yeah, here's my card. It's like, you know, and that goes right in the trash because you provided zero value. Is that similar to what you're seeing?
0: 100 percent. yeah i was gonna so for for the people listening, and like i i don't know what it is around where people kind of feel like they again maybe they're feeling salesy or they're just not confident in the delivery of that when someone's asking and kind of go into it is there a non right way of saying this like a non-intrusive way of saying like of how you help or providing value in that short little like in your you know your little intro pitch um, yeah like, is there a is there an easy way to do it where you're like, well, I feel like I'm not overstepping and going into sales mode when I'm meeting this person at a conference or an event or a party or something like that.
1: Yeah, I yeah, totally get it. And uh, you know, the pitch is very boring. I am against the pitch. I'm anti pitching um, because we use the pitch like everyone is the same. Mm. And right. So if you're talking to someone who is whatever, uh, a potential buyer versus someone who is never going to buy your stuff, wouldn't you speak to them differently? Right. And so one, you might give a 30,000 foot overview. Another one, you might give a hundred thousand foot overview, or you could ask a question and I like this approach and you say, do you know how people struggle with marketing, and they never know if their marketing dollars are being put to good use? And people who are in business will say, "Yeah, that's a problem." You say, "I help solve that problem," and just leave it at that. And it's like, and then if people don't say, "Tell me more," they're not interested, mm-hmm. right? I mean, from you know my mission field, I've learned that uh, don't throw your pearls before swine. And not that people are swine. Don't take that the wrong way, any listeners. I'm not calling people swine, but don't waste your breath. Is another way of saying that, because what you're doing is that you're just going to alienate the person, and you know, because you're talking when they're not interested, right? And that just—it's sort of you know—it's just like at the conversation at the bar where you ask someone a simple question and then they go on and talk about all the problems in their life and it's like, oh, jeez, uh, wait, way too much information. i was <laughs> just being polite, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Sometimes people use that as the excuse to, yeah, just regurgitate everything uh, yeah. uh, on top of someone. Um, rather yeah, because
1: than- they have a live one, right? Because yeah. the person was polite and they think, well, here's my opportunity. I've got a live one and I just got to... If the more I talk and don't breathe, right, the more I get out, then the less they can say, look, I'm really not interested. <laughs> you know, so we eliminate that by talking a lot. Sort of like what I'm doing now. But I'm wired. It's 9 p.m. Eastern. So, you know, it's yeah, what it You is. have a good excuse. It's all right. It's all yeah. right. I want you to. I want you to go that like, like. <laughs> way.
0: That's fine. And so okay. h- how have you what about over like the last couple of years being that everything's kind of been turned on its head around the world, crazy things going on. Have you seen um, the sales process or approach people need to implement change? Obviously there's, there's providing value, which is probably, you know, really uh, like stands against the test of time forever to do, but has there been anything that you've noticed that's need to change over the last
1: couple of years? Yeah. I think the, a couple of things. Number one is we have to be way more empathetic. I mean, I come from that background. I always felt like I was empathetic, but you, you, know, you got to be a lot more empathetic because some businesses are really struggling. Others are doing great and you've got to understand the difference, right? Some people are still in buying mode. They're crushing it and they want everything to be great and the best technology, whatever it is you sell, And others are like, look, we're just gonna see if we can make it through the next couple of years because we were destroyed financially over the last two years, right? So having conversations, going beyond the how's business, right? What what did you learn, right? What are some of the things that you learned in business or about business? Or about you know the volatility of the economy over the past couple of years that you feel that you benefit from, and just get people talking about that and see if they open up and give you some kind of clues. Uh, some are raring to go. It's like, and they'll say that that's all that's all behind me. We're crushing it. It's like, okay, now you know that tells you something. Versus someone who is very, you know, down and discouraged and there's a lot of I don't knows and uncertainties in the conversation right so salespeople in general don't pick up on this stuff because they're all talking about product and service and how great they are they don't really care in general about the prospect so the person like you and other small business owners that are in sales mode if you just take that little advice and say let me have better conversations and empathize with people and see where their head's at before I start trying to sell something to them. What, what's your take on that? Yeah,
0: I would say hundred percent. It's and it's the same because yeah, there's so many people where it's not even the next. They're like just trying to get through the next few months, you know, and then they're just like right. Oh. So you have to you have to kind of have that uh, empathy and leniency, hundred percent. And uh, it's uh, it's yeah. been crazy for years. So if you if you've made it this far. As a business owner, anyway, probably pat yourself on the back, and
1: uh, well, it's and still scary with the with the supply chain. Mm. So you know, because companies, the the challenge with supply chain for people that don't know is that companies that have a ton of cash flow, they're not really impacted as much. But the smaller businesses that depend on the supply chain, right? If they're selling widgets that are coming from Asia and they don't have cash flow and they have employees, right? So they've got orders, they can't fulfill, so they're not getting paid and their employees, guess what? They want to collect a check every week or every two weeks. So that whole thing, guess guess what the priority is for the business owner? It ain't buying. It's how do I make payroll or I'm worried about making payroll for another six months. I might have a little bit reserve, but they they want to hold on to the cash just so that they can you know feel good about the orders coming in and actually being fulfilled right because people are ordering but they're not being fulfilled in the same level as they were prior to this stuff yeah, yeah.
0: and even just the um supply chain and the and the pricing of goods. so my uh, partner has a cafe. Cooking oil, which comes from um, you know the the Russia Ukraine region to things like that, yeah. prices have tripled. Um, yeah, and you know, and it's like you were already scraping by before that, and now you have to deal with yeah deal with that price increase. Like it's um, it, it's yeah, it's it's
1: crazy, right? Um, and so yeah, so we all have to. I mean, this is another opportunity to be empathetic and realize, like, how much do we ask for the business? Right, I don't say push because I'm not about pushing. But you ask politely, and ask for the follow up time and so forth. But you know, every day in the news, right? I choose not to watch the news except for maybe two minutes to see if the war ended. The war hasn't ended. I don't spend any time, right, because it's just super discouraging. But so you know, prices are going to keep going up, right? And there's all these challenges with fuel deliveries, supply chain, and people are worried about, you know, what is this gonna mean for my 18 year old son or daughter? Uh, So all of this is going on and we show up and say, hey, do you wanna buy my stuff? Uh, You know, it's just, we're so out of sync that it just, it's not logical. So we really have to get in the zone where people are and come from that place and see if we can have conversations and learn and understand and kind of understand that our pipeline in sales might be what once was 90 days might be six to 12 months or longer. Right. But we still, we can still lay the groundwork. Yeah. So
0: true. Yeah. Yeah. Harry, I could probably sit and speak to you about this sort of stuff for uh, for many, many hours, but I want to make sure I stay on uh, on time here. I always like to ask a question as we get towards the end of our time together, which is, is there a question
1: which I haven't asked you, which I should have? Man, you put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Now I've got to think. uh Let's see. What was the funniest, dumbest thing I've ever done in my life? Uh, You didn't ask that. What's the craziest experience in sales? You didn't ask that. What is one thing I regret in sales? I mean, there's there's all kinds. Let's go with that one.
0: Let's okay that one. Yeah.
1: All right. So something I regret in sales is trying to fit in with others. So there was a period of time where I was in a new company so i started out in sales kind of making progress i went to a new company and i tried to fit in and it wasn't who i was and what i learned you know i struggled again so i went through the struggling when i started and i re had, had to go through this whole thing again and i tried to be you know someone other than who i was which is coming from a place of service you because know, I learned a few things, it's probably a little cocky going into a new company, and I just got a bunch of humble pie. And, you know, that that's that's something I look back at and say, what a dope I was for, you know, just give, and it, it made a year terrible, right? Because it, it impacts your income, and it made it the year terrible, and I probably could have gotten canned, uh thankfully the owner of the company saw something more valuable and that i had potential or something but you know it wasn't a good move so you know the value the thing is is that you've got to stick to what your core values are right and in spite of pressure and so forth and if you compromise in any business then you can suffer so since then well there's periods there are moments right but in general i mean i really stuck to the uh, core values
0: yeah that's perfect no, i love that and now harry if anyone that's been listening if they go look i want to find out more about what harry's up to and, and more about what he does where's the best place for them to connect with you online
1: well I'm recently out of prison so you don't have to look in prison anymore uh, actually a bad failed attempts at humor i'm known for those Um, so they can find me you can actually Google selling with dignity it's this book I wrote um, and that will direct them to me uh, on my website Harry Spate and the spelling is weird so we don't have to get into that but selling with dignity is pretty easy and find me on LinkedIn Um, I like to provide valuable content and you know I'm not worried about giving away free information I want the world to be better economically, I want people to thrive in their businesses. So I'm gonna provide value uh, for free, uh, as long as I'm alive. So, uh, and maybe some bad jokes too.
0: Amazing, love that. So guys, (laughs) wherever you are watching, listening, reading this, check the show notes above or below. We'll have all the links to Harry's sites and you can and connecting with him on LinkedIn and all that fun stuff. And if you know anyone who's maybe been hitting up against some hurdle in sales where they haven't really been able to make it click for themselves, please do share this episode, get this into their ears so they can find out uh, maybe a few other ways that they could approach things rather than the old traditional uh, boiler room uh, approach that they may have been doing in the past.
1: Harry, again, yeah, thank you so very much it. for joining us. Really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, it's awesome. I love your energy, Kim. So that's why it got me uh, fired up this evening. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I look forward to
0: speaking to you soon.